Well, it is so good to uh, be with you. And for those of you that are new, my name is Casey, and I'm so grateful that you are joining us and we get to share this time together. And for those of you online, thank you for letting us come into your home or your workspace or wherever you are right now. Hey, Westside, let's give all of those that are online and those that are new with us in the room a big warm welcome. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, to everyone for being here. We are in this series, and today we conclude this series called Shadowlands. We're going to jump to that in a second, uh, but I want to hit pause real quick, and I want to share something very serious and important with you, and then ask something um, meaningful from you today. I, as we've managed to um, reopen our facilities and the different ministry environments on Sunday, I am so thankful for the, the many women and the, uh, the, the few men and I say that sincerely, our, our women, you have knocked it out of the park in helping us in these kids' environments. And I'm so grateful for the, the men, the couple men that have joined us in helping create these kids' environments to uh, make it safe and fun and make it known that God loves and sees our kids. And you have done an amazing job in this. But I want to let you know something really important and kind of serious because as our families are returning... As are many of you that are bringing your families in, you're inviting your families, and I'm grateful for that. And for those of you that are new with us, I'm so grateful that you're here with us. I'm so grateful that your kids are in a, in a room right now uh, enjoying uh, this opportunity, and they're, they're being cared for, and, and they're learning, and they're, they're, they're having fun together. And uh, I'm so grateful for all of them that have made this environment happen. But the thing is, is as our as we continue to return and it's more Westsiders are coming back into the natural flow of things and new people begin to come, it is projects, our projections that we're going to be at critical mass really soon. And what I mean by that is that if it continues to go and we don't get more people in those environments to serve and maybe open up a couple more rooms, um, it could become that it's not safe. It could become that it won't be that much fun for the kids. And it could be that uh, they become overlooked and they really don't leave with the personal touch that someone loves them to let them know that God loves them. And I, we don't want that. I mean, we don't want that as a church family. And you know the thing is, is I know that you don't want this. You know, as a family, that you don't want your kid to be in an environment in the future that could be that way. And you don't want it that if you're inviting your friends and your family to come into an environment, you, know, you don't want them to be in an environment that, that it could not be safe or not be fun. And they might be overlooked and not know that God loves them. And so... I know you want to jump in and help, right? Yeah, I know you want to jump in and help. And so this is what I, I want you to know. If you have this de same desire that we do, and this is the same desire that I, if, you, if you can resonate this, that you want to make it safe, you want to make it fun, and you want to make it known that God sees and loves kids, then I want to ask you to do something big. I, we need you to serve for one hour. That's it. You can come to a service, and you can stick around and serve at another service. And honestly, the next service is where we need the, the most help at our 11 o'clock hour. So you can come to this service. Your kids can enjoy the environment. They can stay in there for the next hour and you can serve in, in a classroom. You could possibly serve in their classroom if you wanted. And some parents just don't want to serve in their classroom that the kids, I get that. But we can put you in a different one. But we need you one hour. And, and that's not a one hour a week. You can, you can talk with our leaders. They'd love to get you to serve with one hour. You don't have to do any prep during the week. Our kids directors and our team around them, they make it happen. You just show up and you're the hero 
I mean, you are the hero. They make you the hero. And it just takes one hour to be the hero every week. So at the end of today's service, um, if you want to step into a room and help be the hero in a room, at the end of the service, our kids' directors are going to be here. Um, one of the, either Caroline, our early childhood, or Lori, our uh, grade school director, is going to be in there. Uh, at the end of the service, they're going to be back at that back wall. And if you want to step up and make uh, a difference in somebody else's life and another family's life, then go back and see them. You even get a free T-shirt shirt today for doing this. I mean, this is how, this is, this, this is, we want you, we want you and we need you. And, and let me tell you, so in all sincerity, this is serious because this is why I believe this is serious. You know, I, I believe the faith of the next generation is worth, it's everything. It's worth everything. And we're a church that believes in the faith of the next generation. I'm a church, I want to, I want to be a part of a church that believes in it so much that even though it, 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 it just, I'll give an hour. Because their faith is worth everything. It's, and I hope that you see that it's worth an hour of your time. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I am so thankful for our people. Thank you for those that are serving in those environments. And Father, I'm, I believe and we believe that the faith of this next generation is worth everything. And may we not just believe it with our minds. May, it, may we believe it with our hearts. Let it move us in to make the time to where we move out with our hands, we move with our feet, and, and we put this into action. God, we believe that if it's not us investing in our kids, then someone else will. And we want, and, and if it's not now, then, then when will that happen? God, we want to make that investment now. So, Father, lead us and let us see our responsibility in the faith of this next generation. And I pray that you move us, move us to serve because of one reason, because Jesus and how he has served us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and get out your notes. We today are continuing and actually finishing this series called Shadowlands, where we have been lurking and learning. And I hope that you, as you've been going through this and applying what Scripture has in teaching and is showing you, that you're experiencing what our our series Big Idea has been all about, that we experience grace in loss when we turn to and trust in God. That you can experience grace and you will experience grace in the loss, in the suffering, in the moments of life because life is full of loss. And you'll experience this grace and loss when you turn to and trust in God. And over the last several weeks, we've been learning some key truths. We've learned that some of these key ideas, we've learned that God is a God that, that is good. Even though our circumstances aren't good, God is good. And we've learned that he's always good and he's never less than good. And we've learned how we can have, we can have a voice in the Shadowlands. And, and we've learned how ex- to exist in the Shadowlands by learning to lament. And we've learned to this four-part process of lamenting and, 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 and it's turning to God. It's complaining about our pain, brutal honesty complaints about our pain. It's boldly asking God and it's trusting in him. And we've learned that we can lament even in the loss of a loved one. And we've learned that, that even in the loss of a loved one, that God will use our loss to accomplish his good will. And he's leading us to trust in his good will. And today, I want to put the final stamp on this and, and I, I want to give you some hope and I want to I help, hopefully help you see 
that as you're lamenting and as you're trusting in God and that part of trusting in God, that, that there's a part of that trusting in God that it's thanksgiving and praise. And through this, you can experience joy. This is my hope for you today, that you come out of here today with this hope that you can experience joy no matter what you go through. That yes, joy can be experienced in sorrow. That in your sadness, in your sorrow of loss, you can be at a place of joy. And I want to show you the secret to this. And it's not my secret because I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you this. But there is, there's a secret that I believe is, is, is that God shared and he shares this through scripture. And you're going to see this today. But this is, you know, this, joy can be experienced in sorrow. And this is something Jesus believed. I mean, in Jesus' opening message, that in like his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, what, he starts off with what we call the Beatitudes. Now, he didn't call it the Beatitudes. He just said it straight out. And he disrupted the thinking of this day when he would say something like this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I mean, do you feel how disruptive that is to our thinking? I mean, we don't, we don't think of blessed. And you go, well... I don't understand the disruption in that. Well, in this day and age, blessed meant something kind of like our word happy. In fact, that Greek word is makarios. And and in this makarios Greek word, it really can be translated happy are those who mourn. I mean, do you feel the juxtaposition here? It disrupts our thinking because we don't think happy. We don't think blessed when we think of mourning. We think sad and sorrowful. But Jesus puts this in a term of, it's not really just happy like circumstantial. This is a state of happiness or as we would define maybe in our day and age, a state, day and age, a state of joy. And he disrupts our understanding of sorrow. And Jesus points out that those who mourn are the blessed. Those who experience the pain in life that it leads you to mourn your loss and grieve your loss. You're the ones that are truly happy and experience this happiness as this true joy. And here's a reason for that. You know, here, here's, here's a reason for that. See, only those who mourn can experience comfort. <laughs> Isn't that real? I mean, I can't experience comfort unless I'm in a place of needing comfort. You can only discover the grace of God's comfort when you are in the shadow lands of loss and sorrow. And here's the good news that Jesus shares with us, that there is joy for those in sorrow. Blessed are those who mourn. There is a joy for those who grieve, those who exist in the lands of shadows and loss. But here's the reality, isn't it? Even though that you might say there's a joy, it's hard to find it. I mean, it's hard to, 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 to find it. In fact, if you are in the Shadowlands, joy and happiness feel like they're in another zip code, don't they? Sometimes even in another country. It's so far from you. How, to, how can that be my narrative? How can that be what I'm feeling or experiencing right now? How can that be my state of being? Maybe not the emotion I'm feeling, but I can truly say have joy in this. And in this, we scramble. <laughs> we scramble to find anything to hold on to to be happy or to have joy when we're in the shadow lands. And see, that just reveals that in sorrow, we struggle. We struggle for joy. And I believe this is because in our sorrow, we lose something. We, we, we are searching for something we've lost. 
and lose sight of what we already have. I'm going to say that again. I believe that we struggle for joy so much and it's so hard to find joy because we are searching for what we've lost instead of finding and acknowledging and because we've lost sight of what we already have. So today, I want to help you in the Shadowlands. I want to help you navigate the Shadowlands and find joy in the Shadowlands of lament. And this is what I believe our world is searching for. I believe this is what not only Christians, but the people of this lost world, because life is full of loss. No matter what, how you live life, it's going to be full of loss. Loss impacts everyone. And in that this is something that impacts our world. In fact, it impacts our world so much that people, even in this last couple of years, it's since 2020 hit and all of this, that, that, more, that, that psychologists and counselors have been overwhelmed and overbooked with people dealing with sorrow, depression, grief, and loss. And, and th- this is the narrative that we are in right now. But there's hope. And you know what? Actually, psychologists talk about that you can actually have joy or happiness in this. Uh, one of the psychologists that I, I've read last year, and, and it was a really good book, it was secular books based on science, and, and he was a psychologist named Dr. Dan Baker. And Dr. Ben Dan Baker, uh, a leading psychologist on what make people happy. I mean, this was his whole premise, is he made all this research and, and looked at all this research on what makes people happy. And what he does as a psychologist is he treats people in their grief and their sorrow and their depression and teaches them that they can be happy. And that they can experience true joy. And, and what I would, we would call joy, he uses the term happy. And in his premise in this book, What Happy People Know, um, his premise is that too many people live in fear. And fear keeps them from being happy. Or this place that we would call joy. This perpetual state, he would say, of worry uh, or fear leads to worry and this perpetual state of anxiety and leads to depression. And he's, he would describe people that, that are in this and that we, I would say are in the Shadowlands. And he uses science to explain how they can get out of the Shadowlands. And I want you just to hear what science is saying about this, okay? I want you to hear what his, re, as he studied this research, and, and he has been coaching people for a decade, almost two decades now through these happiness tools. He talks about the number one happiness tool. And I want you to listen to this. Appreciation. Really? I mean, I, about, I had that same reaction too. Like, really? Appreciation. But listen to this, what he writes. And you might need to just circle that word appreciation. He goes, appreciation is the purest, strongest form of love. It is the outward bound kind of love that asks for nothing and gives everything. Research now shows that it is physiologically impossible to be in a state of appreciation and a state of fear at the same time. Thus... Appreciation is the antidote to fear. How amazing is this? I mean, really, do you understand what you just read? Do you understand what this means? This means that science, as we read here, is now proving what Scripture has been telling us for 2,000 plus years. Science is now validating what we know already in Scripture, that we, and here's the reality, is, is while we haven't needed science to prove that we can trust Scripture, it's now proving that you can trust the writings 
of this. But here, because here's the amazing thing. And, and let, me, let me help you see why, why I say this and what, why I mean by this and, and, and why this to me is so mind-blowing. It's because science is proving that Scripture is truly inspired. Before science could prove this was possible, we knew this through what Scripture has shown us. We know this exact thing. And I want to tell you how we knew this. A guy named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who God inspired to write 13 letters, which became books in our New Testament, he, he, he lived in the shadow lands. He experienced much of what you go through, if not at greater levels of intensity and much worse, like much worse situations. See, he wrote several of these letters in prison. I mean, he was in prison for his faith in Jesus. Paul experienced loss. He experienced grief. He experienced hardship. We read about these hardships in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 11. We see that he was shipwrecked. We see that he had great expectations. He didn't meet those expectations. He lost friends. To, because of their faith, they lost their lives. He was separated from his relationships. He was beaten and stoned to death. And they wanted him to die. They left him for dead. I mean, this is the life he lived. I mean, talk about being rejected. He faced that. He suffered sickness. Some theologians would even say that Paul fought this depression. And he wrote several of these things, and he experienced loss, and he followed all these, and he experienced a life of trouble, a life of trouble that Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And he had trouble because he followed Jesus. He lost his freedom, and now he writes these quarantine letters, one being to a church in Philippi, and that we now have as the book of Philippians. And before science showed us how our minds and body work. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Mind you, he's writing this either in a prison cell or under a house arrest of some type. He is not in the best place of circumstances. And he says, rejoice, take joy. Don't take joy in your circumstances. Don't take joy when you can't do that. Take joy in the Lord sometimes when you feel like it, always. How did he know this? Because he learned something. And he just talked about something that he learned. He talked about that he's gained everything in Jesus. And he says, everything, I, I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. I mean, he just says this in chapter 3, and he says some other amazing things. You need to go back and read that. I just encourage you to do this. Go read chapter 3. Because he says, you know what, everything I consider a loss. And you know what leads us to grief and sorrow? Loss. He goes, I found Jesus. And so I want you to know, rejoice in the Lord always so much that I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And he says, the Lord is near. And this is not like just near, like he's close to you because he's with you, because we know that. I mean, God is near and with us. I mean, we've, when you put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, not is just with you, he's not, not around you. He's within you. That's amazing. But this is another type of near. This is like a near incoming. This is like a time span near. Like, like, like my kids, 
know that one day we're going to go camping, and I love to camp, and that time is coming near. And they're getting excited because that time is coming near. This is the type of anticipation. He said, the Lord is near. His return is near. That one day this suffering, this shadow land will not be filled with shadows anymore because there'll be no suffering loss. There'll be joy in heaven because we'll be with him forever. Rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about the things that you shouldn't be anxious about. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, look at this, by prayer and petition, with what? You say it, thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, make your, or present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord always. How? Yeah, go to him in prayer. Lament. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends all you can understand. You know God's comfort is experienced as a peace that goes beyond anything you can understand. And the last week, we, 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 I got word from one of our families that their father had died. And the peace that they experienced was this peace that transcends the understanding. As I get this text message, and, and they're waiting for their father to pass. They're in the room, and they're filled with sorrow. They're filled with grief. But you know what they were also filled with? In the text message you read, we're singing, and we're singing, and we're telling stories, and our hearts are broken, but we are at peace. How? I mean, the world doesn't get this. You don't get it unless you're in the shadow land. You can experience God's grace. It's experienced as peace. C.S. Lewis writes a series of letters as he would lament the loss of his wife. And in this, he didn't mean to have this published, but later it'd be published and as a grief observed. And he would refer to his wife as H in this. And in the opening, uh, one of his opening letters, he would identify something about grief and sorrow. He would say this, and these are my words, not his. Grief can be a lot like fear. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, the same feeling, this is what he would say about it. He goes, the feelings of grief are the same feelings of worry, anxiety, and anxiety, which are really the product of fear. And, and it's like th- this grief can feel the same way. The same feelings you feel in worry and fear and anxiety are the same feelings you have when you're grieving the, of someone you've lost. And sometimes the reality is, is our grief can truly be caused by fear. And it can lead us to fear. See, we fear living without that which we have lost. We can be in that place where we fear living without that which we've lost. I don't know if I can go another day without. I don't know if I can live without. I don't know how I can make it without. I don't know if I can be happy without. See, our grief can lead us to fear the what-ifs of life. What, what if this happens? And, and, and our grief can lead us to fear the what-will-be's. What will it be like in the future without? And the Scripture shows us and the science has proved to us, you know, Paul would say this, do not be anxious 
with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request to God and the peace of God will transcend your understanding. See, this is what we understand. Fear and gratitude cannot coexist. Fear and gratitude cannot coexist. It cannot occupy our mind, your mind, in the same space of time. It cannot occupy. You can switch from one to the other, but at that same moment that you're being grateful, at that moment you're appreciative, because what is appreciation? It's a deep level of gratitude. And when you're in that moment of appreciation and you're finding, you're searching for the thing that you can appreciate in the middle of your loss, fear cannot be there. And you can experience something in that moment that Paul would say would transcend anything you can ever understand. You just can't, you can't understand it. You just have to experience it. But you got to believe it enough to put it into practice. You got to believe it enough to try it because it can't occupy that same mind. So how do we do this? We rejoice always. How? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Yes, we do this, and we do this, and then we understand that it is physiologically impossible to do this. And this is what the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, shows you and I how we can exist in the shadowlands to find peace, to find joy, and to be comforted. And he would say this, finally, brothers uh, and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Don't think about the what ifs in life. Think about these things that are the what is of life. This is a list that I encourage you to memorize. And he goes, whatever you've learned from me or received or heard from me or seen in me. In other words, you've seen me go through all these hardships. You've seen me live and exist in the shadow lands as, as he even had a thorn in his flesh that we would later read that he couldn't get rid of. And he wished, he prayed, he said three times that it'd be gone. He wanted it to be gone. He knows what it's like to be in the shadow lands. He says, whatever you've learned from me, put it into practice. <laughs> put it into practice. And look what he says here. He goes, he goes, and the peace, and the God of peace, the God of peace will be with you. You know the key to having the peace of God? is having the God of peace. That's the key. The key to having the peace of God is to know that you have the God of peace with you, a God that brings comfort and his peace by giving himself to you. And when you come to him with thanksgiving and you focus your thoughts on those things, the God of peace will be with you. And then Paul gives us a secret to the shadowlands. And this is the most important thing that you need to understand in today's teaching. And he says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He goes, I understand you, 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 were, you were looking out for me and you're worried about me. And he goes, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. In other words, um, you know, I, you're okay, but I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Look at this. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. If he were preaching this message, he would go, I've learned to be content in the shadowlands. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty 
or in want. Paul learned the secret of the Shadowlands. Are you ready for it? It's this right here. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Wait, 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 wait a second, Paul. Don't you mean that's what you want your kids to say in the Bible memory verse that they need to say right before they go out on the sports field or the court? Isn't that what they're supposed to, isn't that the context for this? I mean, this is what I need to say right before I go into that sale that's really difficult. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, this is what I need to do. No, 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 Paul said, no, that's not the context for this. The context for this is in your hardest place, in the most difficult place that you feel like I can't take it anymore. This is the secret. You can do all things through Christ, through him who gives you strength. Right before this, remember he said, I consider everything a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. Paul's like, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need for life. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need for the shadowlands. If you have Jesus, you can be content. You can be happy. You can have joy. You can rejoice in all things. See, when you have Jesus and you realize you have Jesus, you can rejoice in the Lord always. Because if you don't realize what you have already in Jesus... That if you, when you don't realize everything you need, you already have in him, you're just going to rejoice in the Lord sometimes. You're going to just rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. But this is not the case. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because I've learned the secret that everything I need, I already have in him. And I can do all things. I can face anything when I have him. C.S. Lewis in his book in that Grief observed that memoir. He gets to this point in the fourth chapter. It's like his fourth letter, his fourth transcript that he's writing as he's trying to process grief. And he gets to this point where he's thinking about his wife and he's looking at a picture of his wife and he goes, this just doesn't cut it anymore. Because when I see this picture, all I want is her. When I see this picture, all I want is her. And this becomes a a mere, almost idol of her. And he compares this to our walk with Christ, how sometimes we create pictures of God. And what we do in that is we create images of God and it creates idols. But then he does something, and and it's almost like I think he has this aha moment as he's processing his grief. And he puts it in perspective that he needs Christ. Yeah, you know what? He desires his wife. But what he truly needs is Jesus. And he would say this, I need Christ, not something that resembles him. I want H, which is how he described his wife in these letters. I want H, not something that resembles or not something that is like her. See, C.S. Lewis and Paul discovered the same thing. They both discovered their need for Jesus. He's the only one that can fill the voids. He's the only one that can help you have joy and be that comforter and that peace in those moments. C.S. Lewis, while he, his grief was for his life, look what he, his longing he realized was for Jesus. And this is the secret to grief. See, grief awakens your longing for Christ. That's what grief is a signal of. Any type of loss is really... A longing 
for not that which we've lost. It's a longing for something so much greater, something greater that we've lost in, in, our, in our life. Because in our life, all of us, without Christ, have lost our connection to God, the giver of life. And life is filled with loss because all of humanity has suffered under this because we all have lost the thing that we need the most, God. And when you realize that you have God and you realize you have Jesus, you have everything you need in him. And you know what the beautiful thing about this is? The beautiful thing that I believe C.S. Lewis knew, that Paul knew, and I believe that you can experience is this right here. This is the teaching big idea. That you can face anything when Jesus is your everything. You can face anything this world has to offer when Jesus is everything to you. You can face it. You can face that phone call you're going to get, that, that you get the news on the other side, and it's not, health, it's not anything that you were wanting to hear about your own health. You can hear the bad words come from your kid and their daughter as they reject you, and, 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 and you can deal, you can face it, and you can exist in those moments. And you can, while it's hard, yes, you don't have to fear, and you can deal with the sorrow because you have something greater. greater. Than anything, anything you would ever, ever lose. You can, you can face, face anything. anything. You, you can, can do, do all things, things through him. him. It strengthens strength you. So, so what, what do we do? do? How do we do? In, your In your grief, continually give thanks. In, In your, your grief, grief, continually give thanks. Yes, yes lament. lament. Yes, yes existence, and, and it's hard. It's, it's, this, this is, is difficult, but I get, get it. In, In your grief, continually give thanks. Realize that you can do what Psalms 34, one verse, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. And no matter what I face, I will rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul says. In grief, I can continually have this deep appreciation and I can find something. And so this is what I want to give you as you walk away today. It's appreciation prayer. This is where we begin. Begin with an appreciation prayer. And this is it. Discover the good in your situation. Discover the good in your situation. And I know this is hard. Trust me, I know this is hard. And you might not be able to hear anything else and, you, and that's all right, just listen to the last thing I say after this. Because this is why it's hard. Because something that has happened to you or it's been done to you is so difficult that you can't see any good. Well, this is my challenge to you. Discover it, because it's there. I've talked to too many people that have been through hardship and loss and grief and things have happened to them, and they've discovered it. God will, if you search for it, God will help you see it. Discover it. The Philippians 4.8 will help you see the things there, that list there. Secondly, speak your appreciation out loud. Voice it. Voice it out loud, at least to yourself. If not, you need to tell God, God, I am so thankful. God, I truly appreciate, even though this, I am so thankful for the memories I have. Even though they hurt, I'm thankful for it. Even though I don't know what I'm going to do with my health, God, I'm thankful for the time I have right now. In your moment, find a, an appreciation and speak it out loud. And then the third thing, pray the possibilities. You serve a God who is capable, who can do the impossible. Pray those possibilities. And then fourth, trust Him. 
Trust God with what you cannot control. Begin this. <laughs> and what you're going to find is what Paul knew. You can face anything because Jesus is your everything. And if you have nothing to be thankful for, you can't find that, that you can truly, if the good in it, you can always find a reason to be thankful when you have Jesus. You can always find a reason to be thankful when you have Jesus. They're going to sing a part of this song, and I just want you to listen to it and just sit right there. And maybe this is a moment you need to discover for yourself the good. Voice that appreciation out loud. Pray the possibility. And trust him with what you cannot control. Will you just listen for a moment? Thank you for your scripture. <laughs> Thank you that we can trust it as the inspired word by you given to us to help us navigate this life that we've been given. Thank you for science that is proving this to us, but God, our confidence isn't in science. Our confidence is in you. And thank you for the truth that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Thank you that we can be a people that can walk away from this place and we can face anything because Jesus, you've become everything to us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Our prayer partners will be available. They'd love to pray with anyone for any reason. Also, don't forget to go back there to the back. Glory, Caroline's back there. Rave your hands, ladies. We love you. So grateful for how you lead our kids. Talk to them about how you can help serve in our kids' environments. God bless you, Westside.